Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1104. I apologize, there was a little bit of like a two-week, almost a two-week gap in between the last episode and this one that's going up, because we shot um, the next season of The Wall (laughs) in about that time. And uh, yeah, we shoot them in about, you know, a week and a half or so. Uh, the Wall's premiering January 4th. So yeah, our fourth season. It was really fun. Um, but our days were really long, 12, 13 hours long. And, um, you know, also longer because we were uh, taking extra steps to be extra safe. Uh, very strict protocols in place as, as they should be. And uh, just to make sure it was safe. Uh, to shoot, but it was really fun to be uh, back on a set and working and giving away money to nice people. And as you can probably hear, my voice is shot because I've literally been shouting for like a week and a half on the wall. <laughs> no, go in the million. No, oh, get out of there. Oh, no. Oh, it turned red. Ah. So, uh, and it was just like, aside from a couple talking dead, you know, a handful of talking deads over the summer, I've literally not done anything I haven't worn. I have blisters on my feet from wearing uh, shoes with the suits because I haven't worn suits in so long. Not complaining at all. Not complaining. Very thankful and fortunate to have been able to to do this. Uh, but it just, it was like a whole other gear to get back into. Uh, super, super fun though. Again, uh, January 4th, those are, those are going to start premiering. The Wall on NBC. But um, uh, I'd love to, for the corkboard today, the community corkboard, ID10T, events at ID10T.com. Uh, uh, an old friend of mine, Barry, and his friend Jason have uh, a company called Barry and Jason Games. And they've made some really fun games. And they kickstarted an officially licensed Anchorman game. Uh, so he writes, uh, it's a really funny game based on the moment in the movie where Ron Burgundy's teleprompter is sabotaged and he reads whatever's in front of him. So now it is your turn to sabotage a teleprompter with ridiculous magnetic words as your friends try to read through the news, uh, without laughing. So, uh, I highly recommend Anchorman, the game from my friends, uh, Barry and Jason. They sent me one. Liddy and I have not had a chance to play it yet because I've been working, but uh, but we certainly will. And uh, and a fun fun Christmas present, Anchorman the game. Uh, so you can just Google Anchorman the game or go on Amazon. It's on Amazon. You can get it there uh, as well. So uh, there it is. Uh, congratulations to Barry and Jason for making a, making a fun game. 
to help uh, distract people. All right, so this episode is Brian Cranston, whom I looked up because I couldn't remember the first... I knew he was on the podcast early, early, early on, and I'm looking it up right now. First appearance on the podcast, August 25th, 2011. Um, We had met, I don't know, like a month or two before that. We both had done uh, the Conan O'Brien show and... And I was like, hey, man, I'm doing this thing. And we, we had a ton of fun on the show. And Brian's so funny and riffy. And he's he's really an amazing comedy guy. I mean, you know, you, sometimes people have to be reminded like, oh, yeah, before Breaking Bad, he was on Malcolm in the Middle. like, And he'd done sitcoms for years. But he's just a great actor, top to bottom overall, but also really funny and, and improv and so we had a really great time, and I think I remember at the time kind of even explaining what a what the, a podcast was back in two thousand. Oh, it's like a sort of like a radio show, but like for the internet. And it's just funny that we've come full circle with podcasts, where you know, eleven years ago, ten years ago, almost eleven, when we started doing this, we're still in the space where we'd have to explain what a podcast is, and now. <laughs> Every now I feel like all those people we would have explained to, uh, to a podcast, they all have podcasts now. Uh, so it, you know, listen, we were on the right track. It worked. Um, and, uh, and so he's been on several times throughout the years and, uh, and I got to do the talking bad after show for breaking bad, but I just adore him. He's just so sweet, but so funny. Uh, and just a really smart guy and also really comfortable in his own skin, which is something that he's talked about on the podcast for years and something I, I really admire. He just doesn't really get too worked up about any unnecessary things and um, uh, and is very focused on what he wants to do and just does things that he enjoys and, you know, has a great family. And so uh, I love you, Brian Cranston. And he has a new show out, which is called Your Honor, uh, which is on Showtime. And looks amazing. Like when you see the premise for it, he explains it in a podcast. But if you watch a trailer for it, it's like, oh, this is going to be one of those ones where you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time. Uh, it looks really, really, really fantastic. So um, thank you to Brian Cranston for coming back on and continuing to be uh, a, a wonderful human being and friend here. Oh, and by the way, we recorded this about six weeks ago, I think. Six, seven weeks ago, and uh, I had just held it because this is around the time when uh, Your Honor premiered premiered a week ago. So there you go. Uh, Your Honor on Showtime, Brian Cranston on this podcast, you on your device listening to this podcast, me on this podcast saying, roll the thing! Initiating ID10T protocol. man i'm good I, you're fine don't worry about it it's we're, uh, i mean i got no fucking place to go we're in a like kind of a quarantine so it's like you, it's fine to be late now <laughs> <laughs> well I, i'm in uh i have to do this on my iphone because i'm in new orleans shooting uh a limited series and i have no power from the 
hurricane took out my power. So I've been trying to power up <laughs> borrowing electricity from people. In the midst uh, of all that, you still came on to do this podcast. That is... Of course! One of the reasons why I love you. So I have my little power pack here that I'm going to plug into my... <laughs> yeah, I got I to gotta plug it in here. So... Um... All right. So this, this podcast could be like 12 minutes long, right? As you go, you know, the, the thing that I've discovered about life that I life think is the is, most valuable. Yeah. <laughs> ah, fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. How long has your power been out? Uh, since Wednesday night. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Are, 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 are you okay? I am. I'm going to now turn you upside down so that my cord can... <laughs> that was like being on a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm, am I right side up to you now? You are. No. You're great. You're perfect. I'll see you now. You look sideways to me. I'll, I'll have to do it sideways. How's that? Yeah, that you look great. That looks great. Okay. Okay. Oh uh, my and how's gosh. The sound? Should I do anything? Should I get on my. Uh... No, you're fine. Okay. We're just going to rip the audio from this, but it's just nice to see your face. It's Thanks, good to, bud. You too. It's good to How are see you? you. Uh, man, I, it, you know, I was just flipping through like suggested Instagram videos the other day, and I saw this video. It was you holding Walt, though you, you take the Walter White mask off, and it's you underneath. And I go, oh, that's really funny. And then I hear this familiar voice, and I go, that sounds familiar. I go, Wait, that's me. I moderated that panel. <laughs> I completely forgot. It was like eight years ago. Yeah. I'm just watching this go, oh my God, that's so fucking cool. Brian Cranston's under that Walter White mask. And then I hear a voice go, hey, that's Cranston. I go, what the? Oh, fuck, that's me. Like, I, yeah, I don't fucking know what's going on anymore. Yeah. It, it, well, this new world has got us spinning a little bit don't you feel like you're like a little spun out um spun out but i think it's also just getting older too where it's like it's just like you only have so much ram there's only so much memory you know in the old computer and sometimes it uh you know it 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 just makes room for things (laughs) oh my god were you have you been in uh, how long you been in new orleans uh well we started over a year ago to do this limited series for Showtime called Your Honor. Oh, yeah, I saw the trailer. It looks real stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful. We need to add a little more stress to people's lives. Right now. That's you know, why, it's fictionalized stress. That's why we got to do it. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a really good show, and, and we're excited about it. Um, but we started last September, September of 19. We got shut down in March, like everyone else. And... I had COVID-19, so did my wife. Oh, my and God. Yeah. It was, uh, and we were, as it turns out, we were very lucky in that the symptoms were very mild. We had, you know, like body aches for two or three days, but not bad enough to keep you in bed. Just like, oh, I just don't quite feel right. It's I feel like I need to sleep more and just total exhaustion. And then my our, our uh, senses of, of taste and smell went away for three months. And oh slowly, it's been coming back. 
Um, and so now I, my taste, my taste buds and my sense of smell are probably back 70%. Uh, oh my God. So you got it really early on in March, early March. Yeah. And that, and that was, and did you know right away or did you find out afterwards that you had the antibody? So you suspected that that's what it was. I knew right away only because, um, my wife, uh, oh, we have a doctor who lives across the street from us, and it was so early on, there weren't many people testing. And he said, well, you should take this test. Okay. And she did, and she had it. But we had been together um, for 10, 10 days, and, and I thought, oh, well, if she's got it, then I've got it. Um, and sure enough, I, a few days later, I started uh, feeling the same symptoms that she had. And it was weird. Uh, so we shut down in New Orleans. We had about two and a half episodes left to shoot. And so then seven months later, as we all know, um, now we came back about three weeks ago to finish shooting. And um, we have had some false positives, but we're testing every, three three times a week. Yeah. The entire cast and crew and is very very uh, strict uh, and rightfully so uh, we've and we've had some false positives which is great that they're false but it also delays us as far as our schedule is concerned because we have to isolate people who tested initially positive and right. well, we until we confirm that they're not it's like oh my god right so we're all trying to figure out the protocols and how to work within it and so we actually work in shields we have these shields that you wear around your neck that goes up as opposed to the ones you wear around your head and yeah yeah pass down so that it doesn't uh, uh mark up our face or our hair you know for actors uh, then we take the shield off and do the scene and cut shields we put the shields back on and that's why pets wear those cones too so it doesn't mess up their makeup yeah. I know. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And so you don't also uh, so you don't chew your arm. They they want you that you don't you're not supposed to chew your arm either. It was both. Yeah. Either makeup yeah. or chew your arm. Or or chew or chewing your arm. I man, I can't believe you know, this is like you, Tom Hanks, like you guys had it early on. Like you and it 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 seems like was it scarier at that time because it was Obviously, it's still a mysterious disease, but it uh, but it was way more mysterious in March. So, were, were, was it were, was it stressful per se, or was it like, well, you know, I, I mean, we don't feel terrible, so I guess you know, we'll just count our blessings there. I think the the ignorance is bliss uh, scenario was more apropos because it, it wasn't wasn't widely known. Uh, there was. Uh, Everyone was talking about it. It's coming, how severe it's going to be, how each individual reacts to it is is going to be of question. So we just didn't know. And then when Robin went through it first and um, it seemed she seemed to manage okay, uh, and then I got it, um, we kind of went through it. And despite the week-long feeling of absolute exhaustion and fatigue, um, then we were pretty much past it, with the exception of the the taste buds and the sense of smell. 
And uh, but we didn't was, know. how long before you had a negative test again? Was it? Did you start testing regularly after that point? Because there really actually weren't a lot of tests available early on. Yeah. Well, because I there, CBS, uh, which you know, in, and Showtime, uh, they wanted me to test and to make sure that you know, because I was around a crew of 175 people. And so I did get in and test. And, and um, once I was shown that I was now negative, that that was a good sign. And, and I started donating plasma because my antibodies were active. And so I did that at UCLA Medical Center and donating the plasma and, you know, doing what, what you can um, to try to see if you can help out. And, you know, uh, this is so insidious. COVID-19 because it goes anywhere from even less symptoms than I had being completely asymptomatic all the way to death. You just don't, you don't know. In between, you have no idea. And it doesn't matter. My assistant, a young woman who's 34 years old in a peak of health, had it much worse than I did. Oh, wow. Why? I'm in my 60s. She's in her 30s. Right. And she was bedridden. I have a an, one of my agents, also a young guy in his late thirties. Um, he told me he said it, it felt like an elephant was compressed on his chest. He couldn't. He was struggling to get air, oh so, and it's like God. so. It's it's wide ranging. You don't know. It's a it's a spin of the wheel to find out how you would react to to when you contract it and so that's why just wear the mask you know we're we're in a world where just do it yeah because i would say like it doesn't you know our our feeling my wife and i's feeling and she's she is a little bit high of a risk because she has some kidney stuff that it and so you know we've been extra extra careful but also it's like yeah, you might get it and it might be mild, but then the person that you could give it to, it might devastate them. So it's like, you know, like you're just kind of hoping people realize, yeah, yeah, it is about you, but it's also about the community and it's also about not spreading it to other people and try to, yeah. try to imagine that, you know? I, I, I think there's a, I, I hate to say it, but I've been somewhat disappointed in humanity as, you know, American humanity about yeah. not wearing the mask. You know, I, w- I went for, I always go for these long walks just to clear my head and went for one the other day. And here in New Orleans, there's a place that a lot of the Tulane University kids go and there's massive amounts of, of college age kids from Loyola and Tulane and watching the sunset and playing Frisbee. And, and that's all great. Maybe three people out of the masses of people were wearing masks. Maybe oh, three. Man. Oh man! And it's like, okay, all right. So yeah, you nothing may happen to you. And I and I I granted, was I the same way when I was you know late teens or early to absolutely. The the thought of I'm not gonna I'm fine I'm not gonna catch this I'm I'm healthy I'm I'm great and it's not gonna happen. And you're right. And, and like you said, you could get it and nothing happens. But if you go visit your old aunt and uncle or your grandparents, that's not the same thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it. so taking walks every day is how you've been kind of dealing and sort of is that because we got it. We got a dog in February and we had been taking him on evening walks. And as someone who's never taken evening walks before, I developed a real love for it because it's it's incredibly therapeutic. It really is. It's uh, and also getting back to the age things. Yes, you're you're aging, Chris. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) No, that happens to other people. It's not supposed to happen to me. I'm always 23 in my head. Right. Isn't that how it works? No. You know what? What the first thing is when uh, and it's going to hit you at some (laughs) point (laughs) when you Brian Cranston's guide to aging. You and your wife and your dog are going to go for a walk and there's going to be some college kids walking by looking at you and your wife and dog and they're going to go, oh, isn't that cute? See, they can stay in love forever. And, you know, and yeah, it's like, oh, my God. And then and then inside, I'll just have this silent well of hatred for their youth. It's, you know, it's not their fault, but it's just like, uh, yeah, don't even yeah. look at us. God damn it. In my day. Yeah. Uh, yeah i'm listen I, we're already doing that because we we've already you know we we have had the same experience where we'll just like drive by a park and there's just people and i'm like no one's wearing fucking masks what's happening you know just like have that <laughs> that old person meltdown yeah you want to you want to shout out the window and go no what are you doing <laughs> you know get off my lawn but then also yes. put a mask on as you're getting off my lawn that's right put the mask on yep. as you're getting off mask on while you're getting off my lawn and pick up I'm... that dog poop <laughs> bring an extra mask scoop up the poop use the empty mask yeah. on your face yeah I, I don't know man i'm just i'm i'm so glad you're okay and i'm so glad and you look you look great you look incredibly healthy you know it's you you've somehow I, you you somehow it looks like you're aging backwards because i remember you were on the podcast maybe eight or nine years ago and you were talking about, like, you go, yeah, you know, I used to ride around the motorcycle all the time, and I never wore sunscreen or anything, and I got all this crag now, and that's all gone. You look really, you look great. What are you Don't doing? Tell- are you moisturizing? Are you is, are you eating more vegetables? I need secrets. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm I've looked this way for 20 years, and I'm finally looking my age. It's like I don't I've think you are. To- Listen, don't piss me off, okay? <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> I would come after you. I'm on my phone. I don't have power. I had COVID a few months ago. I'm not in the fucking mood. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> no, man, you're you're a sweetheart to say that. Um, no, you're just trying to you're just trying to be better to yourself. You know, you realize you got your body's going to change. Your metabolism changes. Uh, you know, I never before had to think about diet and weight and how, what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. Now I do. It's like, you got to, it's, you know, if I, I, if you want to feel good, you have to be more restrictive. Whereas when, when, you know, when we were in our twenties, you could do anything you want. And yeah, you're fucking Wolverine. Yeah, man. It's like you were, it was great. And you think it's always going to be that way. And yeah. it is not going to all no. no. So I mean, no. but uh, yeah, I pour the moisturizer on. I drink lots and lots of water. Water, water, water. water. Yeah, water is good. A little bit of moisturizer is always good. And then also, like, 
I, I really do think stress is the, well, I mean, yeah, you know, alcohol, drugs, and smoking age the fuck out of people. But if you don't do those things, stress is all. It, so I'm always trying to figure out like how to not stress and how to not stress in a world that is basically just running on gallons of stress at the moment. It's like, how do you, you know, I guess it is just take the evening walks or, you know, yeah. do, 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 do some breathing or just try to disconnect a bit. I don't know. Well, you know, you never thought that you needed uh, avenues to de-stress, but you've discovered that too. Going on a walk is just so peaceful and calm and it's, it, it, you know, stimulates the, the blood system and the, and, and it's, it's also social that you you're with your wife, your dog, and you're going, and it's just, it realize this is great. You know what? The other thing back in the day, when, when you're trying to find a place, I, I love the GPS now when you, you can just go punch in the address. Yeah. Here you go. Directions go. Yeah. It says, so for the first time you can actually just drive and it says in a half a mile, turn left. And it's like, yep. okay, I think I will. <laughs> All right, robot. <laughs> Whereas before you're going, what's it, what's the street name? Can you see the street? Where, where is that? I don't know. I don't know. Turn right. Let me, you know, and, and getting out the Thomas guy. The Thomas guy. Like okay. You know, turn the, page 128. That's in G5 grid. Okay. That goes, oh, there's cold water. Fuck. I don't know where. That's right. And it goes that you got to, uh, this continues on page 360. Wait, which San Vicente is this? Oh, no, that's the San Vicente that's in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Like, I don't know where the fuck I am. Yeah. And it's, it's stressful. And um, so any, any time that you can find avenues to de-stress, man, I, you know, like a massage or even I took a bath the other night and I was like, I'm pitch dark. Yeah. There's no electricity in my house. And so I just ran a hot bath, lit a candle, and just sat in the bath. Going, uh, this is fantastic. You were, you were remembering your spirit, Oprah Winfrey style, is what you were doing. You were having a... You were, there you go. Oh, you're, yes, you're it's funny a, you should say that, because Oprah was in the bath with me. Oh, that's it really was, interesting. Uh, that's really yeah. interesting. And she was reading yeah. to you from the book club. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I got to tell you. If you took if you took the physical sexuality out of it completely, that would be an interesting way to spend an hour. I honestly didn't see it in a dirty way at all. I just saw it as like, oh, they're just like you know, they're like siblings take you know, like you know, five year old siblings taking a bath. They're just like there's like a there's, right. cool to- there's a bath toys and they're you know having shampoo fights and you know, I'm right, mom, right. I'm ready to come it's out now. Farting. Yeah, there's there, there's yeah, there's an underwater fart war. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, all those things. That goes without saying. <laughs> That's the headline to the podcast. <laughs> Someone's going to take that literally. Ryan Cranston takes bath with no. It's yeah. It's a bit. We're just they doing will. bits. By the way, speaking they of bits, will. I will take it. I love the bit that you and Aaron Paul did on the with the the robots just going up to Oh yeah. Just going going up to random people with the robots and then like had the tablet with your faces, just telling people happy birthday. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That was so. That was for our, our mezcal, Dos Hombres, and uh, the delivery service, Drizzly, that's, that we got together with and we were actually in our homes. So it was very COVID friendly. And from our standpoint, yeah. we were in our homes and we were operating the robots truly from our computers, yeah. the, the, up, the, the arrows. And we were like, we could turn it one way or the other. We could raise the, the thing to get taller or lower and we can go forward, backwards. It was really, it was really a lot of fun. It was like, a, it was like a, a, you know, a video game. That became that came to life, and so uh, I think we're going to do some more of those. But it was fun just to surprise people and give them a bottle of Dos Hombres for their birthdays. And this has been a hell of a year. It's been you know everybody's stressed out, like you're talking about, and worried about the election and COVID. And it's been very dehumanizing to this this year in many many ways. And uncivil and crude and and unkind in so many other ways it's it feels like you know i can't wait for this to get over so that we can live again well and and i think you know just hearing all the things that you've done it's like well what can you do you donate platelets because you want to help people because you had covid you know like you 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 send these robots out you you know like you try to cheer people up just to make them feel better you know it's like the, the, those are the things and those and those are the kind of Brian Cranston things that I would expect that you would do. You know, it's like, well, I'll, I'll just see if I can make because I remember when the the very first time you were on the podcast, I had really I thought I had had really hit a wellspring of of talking to performers and hitting the like, you know, let's talk about all your insecurities and let's really unearth. And you go, you know, I'm fine. You know, like I knew I wanted to act. I, I there wasn't really a backup plan. I would. I was happy just living in an apartment and being a working. Like there wasn't any, any of that underneath. And I'm like, God damn! How do we bottle Cranston? Like how do we, how do we just like squeeze out some of his essence and absorb that level of comfort with like, you know what? The world can be a difficult place, but you you power through it and you do what you can for the people that you care about. Like, where where does that come from? Uh Oh, I don't know. I, I think there's part part of it is work ethic and 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 a lack of a sense of entitlement. I I I just feel like nothing, the world doesn't owe me anything. My career doesn't owe me anything. No one's trying to upend me, and everyone's on their own track. That's why I have no I have no jealousies of anyone else's success, um, even at a. a many years ago because it's, it has nothing to do with me. Uh, and so I just, you know, you're, you're absorbing, you're taking in different elements of, of things that, that resonate with you, that, that help your soul. 
that rid you of any of the kind of the ugliness that we can sometimes hang on to. Yeah. And it's a process. And, you know, I mean, I, I think when I was in my 20s, starting out in my career, I was hustling and, and trying to figure out how to crack in. And, and I did have some, God, that guy, why does he work? Man, I am so much better than that guy. You know, and then you'd see someone, oh, man, he's really good. Wow. I don't know if I'd ever be as good as that guy, you know, so you're, you're really measuring yourself against someone else. And after a while, I got tired of it. And I just got rid of all that. And I don't do it. I just I don't read reviews. In fact, even in my social, I send out information that is important to me. And I and I welcome responses, even if they're nasty ones. It's like, that's okay. Uh, But I don't take it to heart. I, I don't, it doesn't affect me. I don't engage in a battle with anyone who has a different opinion. In fact, I welcome different opinions. That level of comfort that you have with saying, you know, none of that stuff has anything to do with me, even when people are coming at me, that's a very, uh, that's a very strong, balanced sense of self. And I feel like that's a thing that people are always trying to find the balance. How do we not how do we not be affected both negatively and positively by all the external things that happen in the world? How do we not personalize everything? How do we not take things to heart? And it just sounds like there's something innately about you where you just are able to disconnect yourself from it and go, you know, my self-worth and my sense of self, it, does, it just doesn't rely on the external world. I, you know, like I mean, that's fine. And that, like, and that, that's, that's a gift because that is, that is, that's a very hard thing to to a, a, attain. It's a level of enlightenment, actually. Well, I don't. It's not innate. It's something that came over time through maturity and and aging and and really truly assessing what's important and what's not. You know, the things that we thought were important 15, 20 years ago. You go, oh my god, why did I obsess over that thing? It's like it's really not that important. Let it go. And so I've just taken that to heart on many other things. For example, uh, anyone I talk to that says they're stressed out, and I said, well, what'd you do last night before? Oh, you know, I, I did. I, 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 go there, I eat, I wash up, I get ready for bed, I watch the news, I go, stop. That's the worst thing you can do. Right before bed. Not, yeah. You are preparing yourself for ease and sleep, and you are overstimulating the news is the worst thing you can do before you go to bed it implants ideas and suggestions like a like a hypnotist and and it and it puts it in there and then it could aggravate the hell out of you and develop so much anxiety it's just not good so what i'm saying is that you need to assess yourself and know what's good for your soul and what is not, just like you assess what's good for my body. Do I want to put this in my body? Do right. I want to eat a chili cheeseburger at two o'clock in the morning? Is that is that what's going to be good? Oh yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly right. You're talking about like the sort of making the analogy of the like what's the emotional food that we're feeding ourselves? What's the what's the soul food that we're feeding our the soul food? What what's the food for the soul that we're that we're jamming in right before we go to bed? Yeah, we all we <laughs> my wife likes the TV on. She just likes the the chatter of the TV to fall asleep. Ooh, ooh. And, and uh 
I don't I don't mind it, but the last few nights <laughs> we've been falling asleep to we just put on the old forensic files, the Peter Thomas narrated forensic files. And it's it's a we we watch a lot of the true crime shows, but with that one, you know, Peter Thomas, he's just that voice that's very synonymous with the kind of the announcer, you know, like he's just the He's the guy that did the voice for the 9919 song from the 80s, that guy that has the yeah. and but he does a bit of acting in this show. So like when they're recreating a murder in the show, he'll he'll go, and then the assailant moved in, and then he struck him with a knife, and then he attacked. Like he gets and so I, I found the last one lights, it's incorporating itself into my dreams, and I'm having the most stressful dreams. What you're, you're sounding like this is a surprise to you. It's not surprising it at all. I just, I don't yeah. know why it's not, but it the point is you're right. Invade. I'm telling you, try something new instead of the, the chatter or the talking heads on news or, or reenactment of a murder. Yeah. 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 Guys. Yeah. Light the candle, put on <laughs> some spa music, <laughs> contemplate, you know, I mean, it's just let it go. You, it, there are, there's a time for everything. Wait, though, I'm telling that, you, it's gonna make it. It's gonna make a difference. Lydia is. Lydia really take loves a hot the bath tr- with Oprah. That's what. That's what you need to do. Yeah, you need. Yeah, you need to. <laughs> but it's not. Again, it's not dirty. It's 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 very friendly. It's a very friendly it's not bath. Dirty. No, it's no. It, it's just a nice like. Oh, that's so no. And you're just having a conversation about it's, your day. It's a cleansing bath inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It's it's really nice. It's really nice. But Lydia loves, she loves the true crime. I like them, but she loves the true crime shows. And I put on, just for a change the other night, I put on like a, I thought, oh, you know, a, a series called Discover Ireland, where it's just like, there'll be rolling green hills and all sorts of castles. It was on for two minutes. And she was like, you have to turn that off. There's a fucking piccolo in there. And that fucking pick, it was like a piccolo or something. And it just, she couldn't tolerate the piccolo, but the murder shows like put her right to sleep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if I could, I I could, uh, if I could cohabitate with that. Your wife and I would not be able to live together. (laughs) Shit. Well, I look, you know, not for anything. I was just going to pitch wife swap, but if you, you know what? It's fine. I see that that's off the (laughs) table now. It wouldn't work. You're just going to have to make it work in your own marriage. (laughs) I just, I was going to pitch a show, celebrity wife swap. I, (laughs) you know, just sit with it, sit with it in the dark. (laughs) Or, you know, you could call it husband swap too, either way, you know, it's like you're swapping out. Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, it's like it, I think very few things would be surprising in 2020 anymore. And yet, you know, when you think about, when people go, are we ever going to get through this? And I, and I go, yeah, I mean, we will get through it. Humans are adaptive. We, you know, when you think about, when you think about the early part of the 20th century where you have World War I and then a horrendous flu epidemic, then you have a few years that are okay. Uh, then the Great Depression hits for 10 years. And then on the heels of the Great Depression is World War II. So there's like 16 solid years where the world is in utter turmoil and then even when the war is the war is over, then there is a period where things have to rebuild and recover. So that's another hit. So, you know, you're talking about like two two full decades more. And so and 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 people, you know, like people persevered. So I, I really do 
I do believe, I think the light at the end of the tunnel is that humans will, will adapt, you know, like we will make it through it. We do, we do make it through. You look at my father's generation, your grandfather's generation in the, in world war two, this is, this was a, a real threat to humanity. I mean, there, there, this was it where you sucked it up and you had to go to battle. You had to fight for the, for the existence of your country. I mean, my God. And, and we're complaining about wearing a mask. Yeah. That's your sacrifice. That's what they don't compare. Right. And the other, the other analogy I like to point out is that, okay, when I was a kid, the only seat belts we had was your mother's arm. As oh you're my driving because you're that's... standing in the in the front of the bench seat you know a station wagon and she would put her arm out there and that was a seat belt yeah so seat belts came in when seat belts first came in nobody wore them not not doing it not doing it can't tell me what to do and then they became a law and no nope, not doing it not doing it. and then they got tickets for not wearing safety belts and then after a while you get used to it and you realize Oh, this is the way it is. Now, there's not a car made that doesn't have an alarm if you're not wearing your safety belt. Safety belt and airbags. <laughs> and airbags. So you get inside. It, to me, if, I don't, if I'm getting in a car and I don't have my seatbelt on, it feels weird. It feels like, I, I just, it feels like it's not, I'm not quite ready yet. It's terrifying. I don't know if you had this in driver's ed, and I'm, I can't, I'm sure they don't do this anymore. But when I, I had driver's ed in the 80s, they showed us all those like red asphalt, you know, like where you see yes. actual crash films of people who didn't wear seatbelts that, I mean, it was traumatizing, like just people dead in their cars, like folded up in their cars. And that, I don't know, I don't, I can't say I think that was a great tactic. But I mean, I, I wear my seatbelt all the time, though. But you only really have to be in one car accident where you're wearing your seatbelt and you realize, oh, I, that probably would have, I don't think, I don't know if I would have walked away from that if I hadn't had my seatbelt on. Or you could have been severely damaged. Yeah. So yeah. the point is now they're talking about wearing masks as being an impingement on your freedom. And I say, well, what about your seatbelts? That was the same argument back in the day. And it's like, we know wearing a seatbelt will save lives. It's there's no there's no possible way anyone can refute that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you believe. The truth of the matter is, it's, yeah, seatbelt's going to save you if you're in a car accident. It's just facts. Yeah, and the same thing with science on wearing the mask. It will save people from spreading the disease. No exceptions to that. That's science. And yet, people are no, I don't want to do it. It's an infringement of my personal rights and things like. And it's like, yeah. And I just pitch you. A, I just want to pitch you a show idea. I want to pitch you another show. This is better, way better than Celebrity Wipes Watch. <laughs> uh, it's okay. you and Aaron Paul in the robot devices. You go around and find people not wearing masks, and you pull up to them and you just interview them and go, "So why why are you not?" And then you just try to have a reasonable conversation with them about why they're not wearing masks. I like it. I, I, it, it yeah. What it will be on Bravo or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be uh, it'll be on whatever's left of television after all. <laughs> whatever is left of television you know and we'll it will give you a mask and a bottle of dos hombres and a bottle of dos hombres yeah drink yeah. this when you get home and where you can take the mask off oh have yeah been, and 
Go ahead. Have you been drinking more since uh, since the pandemic? No, I've been sober for 17 years. I, I don't drink at all. Wow. And, uh, and, and I don't miss it. And there hasn't been one time during the pandemic where I thought, gosh, mm-hmm. I'd really love to have a drink because I just, I, I know it would make me feel worse. Yeah. So I, 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 I think of people who are in that position who, who struggle with that. And during the pandemic, I, I would wonder that it would be harder to reach out for that support to be able to hold on if you're, if you are tempted and it's no great thing. I, I think, I think so, challenges like these um, just exacerbate the current condition in good or bad. A good yeah. marriage will get better through challenging times. A, a, a bad marriage will ex- be exposed and fall apart. Right. And it's the same thing with addiction or anything like that. During this time, it's got to be really tough on those those people who are struggling. Even if they don't have the disease, they're feeling the ramifications of the disease by sheltering. And that's not always, that's, that's not good for, for a lot. Well, it's hard too, because if, you know, like I, my perception of a lot, you know, of, of a lot of drinking is, you know, you're just like numbing and you're, you're trying to control your emotions and you can do that if you take a drink or, you know, or, or any kind of addictive behavior. And so it's, it's really trying to learn how to manage and be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. No one ever wants to feel uncomfortable in our society. Like we have a whole, you know, capitalist society built around trying to, you know, Hey, don't feel uncomfortable. Don't feel uncomfortable. And so it's like, you know, again, I think it's a testament to these walks. It's like, well, that is, that is a way, you know, like being outside and sort of like getting pulled into the present and really been trying to focus on that. Like, well, in this moment, I am okay. My wife is okay. My mom is okay. Her mom is okay. Okay. That's what we have. I'm going to take that in this moment as the win. And, and I'm just going to try to shove everything else out at the moment, you know, until I feel better later. And then I can kind of deal with that. So some of it, a lot of it's just sort of like, you know, like managing and navigating the emotions, but I've, I've actually weirdly, maybe not weirdly, but I've really appreciated my sobriety during this time because, and again, I don't, I don't throw shade at anybody who is dealing with this, however they deal with it. If people are drinking, fine. If they're not drinking, fine. But I am glad that with this Zoom, with with this like tele- video conferencing technology, my hope is that there are more group meeting options for people who um, who need it in an instant that maybe can't, in the old days, couldn't like wait to get to a meeting and have to drive to a meeting. It's now like maybe they can just drop into one that's happening on, you know, like on zoom or something. So, yeah. you know, I, cause when you think about it, we didn't really, this video conferencing thing, we didn't really use it that much before March. Like it, we had it, but it's not like, it wasn't like the video phones that, you know, we were promised from old sci-fi. And now it's like, it's just such a normal part of our culture now. Well, you're going to see how it, how it affects everything. Um, you know, the, the, uh, commercial office space business yeah. is going to drop completely. And what used to be a fallback, uh, a video conferencing, oh, oh, I, I couldn't get my, my my flight or whatever, so we'll have to video conference. It was always a fallback. Now it's a norm. And it's like it's so much easier 
and the commute is is so short for everybody <laughs> just go <laughs> to your table uh the problem with that is 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 that it, it it's a facsimile of intimacy right is that i feel for the younger generation that don't see uh, that don't go on dates in human exchange they're yeah. they're basically doing what we're doing here and looking oh he's very nice or she's very nice or whatever the case is and you you're getting a sense of oh yeah we've seen each other several times and like how many times have you seen each other in person lately not often and it's right. like wow that's yeah. what are we what are we telling our souls what are we telling ourselves of of what is a natural relationship then if you're not actually in the same room with another person yeah it's it's connection but without the human experience like we really were we really did evolve to be around each other to to see each other in real time like our you know to sort of be in this kind of chemical dance with the world you know and we 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 are now kind of just making do with this kind of simulacra version of reality however Mm. I do think it is still preferable to, you know, a hundred years ago when people just couldn't get news as fast or wasn't, you know, like, or couldn't share information. And then it's like, so it is a little bit of a, an exchange, but, but I feel, I feel like it is better this way. It's not, it's not perfect, but, but I feel like this is, this is the best way for now, you know? Yeah. And I, I miss, um, you know, we, we have an industry like the movie theater business that may just completely collapse under the pressure of this. And then my my beloved uh, theater, you know, like doing Broadway, the Broadway theater business is not being able to have that human experience like you talk about, about sitting in a room with a thousand other people and experiencing something at the same moment um, it's, it's special and it's, it's, I have no idea when, when Broadway theater is going to be able to open back up to any great extent. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, I, I just keep holding out this hope that, you know, that things will begin to normalize somehow <laughs> through some, maybe there's a vaccine that all, you know, that'll stop it and then we'll be able to, and and I do think people will be, I do think my hope is that those businesses will bounce back quickly when that is a thing that people can do again, because people will so be craving that those experiences again. And I don't, you know, I don't think it'll be like, you know, in 20 years, oh, back in the old days, you used to be able to go into a, you know, a theater and sit next to a person and, you know, people smelled a horrible and, you know, yeah, yeah, was the old man voice? Yeah, it was the old man voice. Yeah, that was the old man voice. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah back in those days. It's weird because it's sort of like a 20s old man. Oh, I don't know why I'm talking like this now, but this is this guy. Uh, and it also reminds me of that of that Western guy, a guy in the Western towns. You know, oh, I went to the livery stable. <laughs> <laughs> here comes Benny the kid oh he's swinging all he's swinging both irons real hard here comes here he comes there's going to be a showdown it's the old prospector you know with the big yeah. fluffy white beard and the 
you know, the big is kind of like the hat. Well, yeah, you can see my hat's kind of like fraying on the top here. He's yeah. got the frayed hat and it's all dusty and, you know, <laughs> gold. It's that guy. <laughs> Is that is that what you would have been in the old West? Is the old prospector guy? Oh, old crazy prospector? Yeah. Well, I think I would have been. You know, that's a really great question. Who would I have been? It it would have been a super nerdy. Like, I, it would have been a super nerdy guy. I either would have played cards or chess or something, but had no physical or gun skills. I would have avoided, you know, physical confrontation at all costs, and uh, and I might have gone out to live to prospect for gold where I would go slowly insane and then become the, it's a gold, you know. <laughs> I, I think I would have been the guy running the general store, wearing an apron, you know. and uh... Yes, but who was also the weekend sheriff. I'd see you as the general store guy who's like, you know what, our sheriff got shot, but it's not a, it's a thankless job, but I'll do it because it needs to be done. I, I, I see you as general store proprietor and weekend. No, sheriff. there's no fucking way I would be a weekend sheriff. That guy always gets killed in every story. The weekend <laughs> but, sheriff. But not you. You're Brian Crane. You're Sheriff Brian oh, Cranston. Please. You just want you wanted me to die. <laughs> well that's because i want to get to your gold <laughs> you got some gold in that general store check his feeling there oh my god <laughs> hold a mirror up to his mouth He's not <laughs> reason, I tell yep yeah there was there was one actor who always played that old prospector type when i was growing up and it was like that that's the guy that's in my head you know it's just this, yeah. Well, I forget his name too, but I remember seeing him. Um, yeah, he always talks like this. He, he always talks like this. Everything is like, ooh. Do you think people would be upset if we did the whole, if we started the podcast over and just did it that way? Brad, I understand you had the COVID 19. Well, I did have that COVID. I did, I did. <laughs> and I shed it. I had body aches, something terrible. How's oh, your... it was fierce. <laughs> no gold though i was hoping i'd poop gold didn't poop any gold <laughs> always looking for gold when you choose organic valley not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy you'll help to save over 1600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home this is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Oh. Fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMed's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. PetMed's offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. I, actually, I did want to ask you, by the way, as we were sort of talking about earlier, 
How is the Mezcal business, the Dos Hombres business going? God, it's going unbelievably well. Um, this is this came out of left field for me. Uh, I, about three years ago, I was having uh, dinner with Aaron in uh, New York, and we hadn't seen each other. Breaking Bad had already been off the air for three years or so, and we used to see each other every day and we were, you know, we worked together so closely and we'd become really, really good friends. And we were lamenting the fact that we didn't get a chance to see each other very much anymore. And he said, you know, what we ought to do is go into the mescal business. And I, I laughed because that's gotta be a joke. And he was serious. And I went, what are you talking about mescal business? And he said, no, it's so great. It's, it's, it's an, it's re, it's an old spirit. And it's been around for ages, but not many people really know about the mezcal business or mezcals in, in, in general. So we went to a mezcal bar and we and I said, OK, I'll try it. And, we, and I just fell in love with it. It was just not what I remembered as a kid with a little worm at the bottle and at the bottom of the bottle. And it was just it smelled like antiseptic, something you'd clean your, your kitchen tabletops with. And that's what you're supposed to drink. And it was like, ugh. But this was just amazing tasting. And so I said, well, let's go down to Oaxaca. Let's spend a week. Let's taste some. If we find something we both love, let's try it. If, but if we don't, let's just not do it. And that was the agreement. And I didn't think we were going to find it. I thought we were just like having a cool week-long vacation down in Oaxaca. And... Um, because he likes a, a real strong scotch, you know, it'll, uh, it'll burn down your lungs kind of scotch. Right. I like to be seduced with my art and, and the art of spirits is no different. I want, I want to be invited in. I, I want to be curious about something and slowly be introduced to it. And so I don't want something that slaps me in the face, whether that's music or art or architecture or spirits or food. I don't want to. Or getting it. slapped in the face, too. Like getting yeah, slapped in the face is also getting yeah. slapped in the face. Yeah. 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 And so it was our last day that we were there and we were at a at a little town called San Luis del Rio. There's only 400 people in this little town. It's beautiful. They've got one landline telephone no cell service it takes it's about three hour drive from oaxaca city which is already very small and the last hour is a switchback up a, a mountainous road dirt road to get to this little town it's not easy but yet we met a guy there named gregorio velasco who has since become our partner in it and he is the maestro the mescalero and he makes this beautiful spirit and it it appealed to both of us. So we went into it and we're, we're loving the business. We're done really well. We, you know, there's, there's hundred. there's, I would say there's, um, I'm not sure exactly the number. I think it's like 140 different brands of mezcal. Oh, wow. It's, yeah. And, and yet we're now number 12 uh, in a little over a year. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're, it's in, in, we're in total wine. We're in BevMo. We're in uh, ABC liquors. We're all over the country. 
and um, and we're just growing like crazy. And it's because of the spirit is so tasty. It goes well with any fruit juice because uh, right where our palenque is uh, in this little town, this mountainous town, um, are mango trees and banana trees. And so the cross pollination that the bees give us and the bats give us um, is the are these beautiful fruits. And that you could taste that in the mezcal, and it's just it, we're having a great time, and and um, yeah, and so we're we're uh, we're continuing on and, and growing the company, and it's it's a lot of fun. Is it a hacky joke to suggest that you got? I'm even as I'm about to say this out loud, I'm like, don't say this. This is the stupidest joke. You and Aaron making the mezcal in a Fleetwood Bounder RV. Listen, I'm just pitch. I'm just throwing it out there, just just uh, to give not- some of the fans. I can already tell this was a bad idea. You're being. No. I can tell you're being very kind. <laughs> not all bits are not all bits of gold. Hard and spicy <laughs> gold. <in that. laughs> uh, we. It's funny because when we first saw this palenque. Uh, which is their their word for for the little processing plant, and it's very rural. Our dos hombres is artisanal, which means, and we can't put it on the bottle unless it is. We cannot have any modern technology in the processing of our product. Oh, is that what that means? I actually never knew what that meant. Yeah, and I mean, our we have donkeys on our bottle label because donkeys play an important role in this. There is there is no electricity at our palenque, where we produce dos hombres. There's there's running water in the stream next to it, and that's where we get our fresh mountain water. But the only two ingredients in dos hombres is smoked chunks of agave that are mashed down and obviously fermented, then distilled, and water. It's agave and water, and that's it. And and we have it's a natural process. It's when we first saw the Palenque, they said it's across the river. So we had to take off our boots and hike up our pants and cross the river. And then uh, the guy who was leading this uh, this party, I guess, this uh, search party for the Palenque had a machete and he was hacking all this vegetation down so that we can get through in this little pathway and when it came into a clearing, Aaron stopped and went, shit, this is just like a meth lab. I mean, it looked like a, a, an, like a little ad hoc meth lab that popped up in the middle of the jungle. And it was like, oh, my God, it does. It's just art imitates life. Life imitates that's art. That's right. But this so is legal, we, at least. This is a, you're, you're manufacturing. A, you're, it's, a, it's a legal chemical process. It's a legal chemical process. It's a, it's a beautiful spirit. You know, most people are familiar with tequila. Tequila is a mezcal, but a mezcal is not a tequila. Got it. Got it. So what happened is about 100 years ago, mezcaleros from all through Mexico were making mezcal out of any agave. That's what mezcal is. Okay. A spirit native from agave. Well, in this one region, they were making their mezcal out of the blue agave, the big leafed, big, huge piñas that you get from this massive, the biggest agave that's grown. And so the yield is far greater. So the other mezcaleros were saying, this is really not fair for you to call that mezcal when you're 
because they can make so much more and they can undercut prices and things like that. So the government stepped in and said, okay, you, you guys can continue making your mezcal, but you have to do two things. You have to only make it from the blue agave only, and you have to change the name. And you cannot call it a mezcal anymore. You have to call it something else. Okay. And so because the biggest city that they were making this blue agave mezcal was from, was called tequila. They called their mezcal tequila. And that's why why it's a I had no idea. Yeah. Today, most tequila is done in a processing plant that's that they manufacture this so fast instead of smoking their mezcal, they steam it, they put it in a big silo, they, they, they really truncate the, the process. Uh, there's still some tequila makers that, that do it the old-fashioned way, but few and far between. And are you ever going to manufacture any that has chunks of gold in it? That was the last time I going to do that bit. That was the last, last one. time, Brian. I don't think it's going to be the last time. Shit. Not in my life, but maybe in this podcast. <laughs> I, but who knows? You know, I'm unpredictable. But this idea, like even just hearing you describe that, all I can think about is like, there's Brian Cranston in his old old West general store selling this like this hand this handmade mezcal mezcal. That's right. Well, to try some, let me give you a ladle full. <laughs> Put it in a mason jar or a ball jar. There you are. I think it up good. I'm telling you, man. Listen, listen. I know, I know. The old West was rough, but there are certain elements of like the simpler time where it's just like, ah, you know, you just you walked to you walked across the street to your store. Your town was a main street. Maybe you had some farmland. Like it, those, those, those simple things. Like they just feel very um, refreshing. Even though I, even though I know it was a much more violent time to live. Like it's still yeah, violent. And also, if you get the measles, you die. You oh yes, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Dave, Dave Chappelle used to have this bit about like about how di- I mean I'm not going to do it justice, so I won't do the bit. But it was just basically like if you got diarrhea in the 1800s, you probably were going to die. And it was like what happened? I got diarrhea. You know? It's like oh yeah, you could just get diarrhea yeah. and it would fucking kill you. It, it was like t- take it to the old man. You know your old man gold prospector guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the old man. He's probably mid 40s. Yeah, <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> and he looks a hundred. Yeah. That's <laughs> and he's the one just like. But he also like he also smears like you let me crush up a bee's nest. I'll put that in some mud. I'll smear that in your eyes, and you'll be set. You'll be fine. And of course, none of it worked. And then everyone got sicker, you know, because they just didn't understand medicine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not the okay. It wasn't maybe not the best time to live, but it's not the best time to live. No, but there is a romantic idea of just sort of living on a you know living on a farm or a ranch and running a local business and not you know not being weighed down by any more than that. There is, there is. I think, I think the more anxiety that we feel in our present day life um, and, and in, in a good way, I think COVID has created this. You discovered the simple beauty of a walk. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Just go for a walk. Just take a pause we were forced to stay home. Uh, a lot of families like, well, let's put a puzzle together. Let's put, and it's like, oh, you know, this was kind of fun. And, and simple things like that, that 
um, that we've forgotten because we're so damn busy because we think our lives are so important or, or more valuable the busier we are. Well, we're distract like so much of our lives. I feel like before we're distracting ourselves from dealing with real stress and anxiety, but we just get into this momentum where we just go, 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 go. And then you don't ever have to stop to breathe or deal with stuff. And of course, that doesn't fix anything. It just delays <laughs> while things compound. And so just the idea of like having to stop, take a breath and, you know, as horrible as the situation is, these are the cards we're dealt right now. So what can we do? We can take walks, we can take responsibility, we can appreciate yeah. what we have, we can live in the moment, we can appreciate the people that are close to us. And, and you know, it's, and, and with yeah. me, I took a bath with Oprah. <laughs> so that's, that's how I relax. <laughs> that's your yippity gold bit. You keep going back. I keep going back to God. <laughs> we each have a, we each have Our, a tentpole uh, callback. Run, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a running I, I love, gag. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, by the way, I was just reading someone, there was an artist on, I don't know if you saw this, but there was an artist on Instagram who imagined you as Dr. Doom. And it kind of, it, it kind of blew up the internet a little bit. And people were like, oh my God, Cranston would be a fucking amazing Dr. Doom. I wish I could send you the picture of it because it looks really cool. Should but I look up? Trying I'll to figure out how to, how to wedge you into the, to the Marvel universe. I... I have never, uh, the, the closest I've done to that kind of thing was I did uh, a thing on um, the Power Rangers a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yes, of course. Yeah. You were the computer. I was the computer. And, and that was the weirdest thing because when I was shooting it, they had a, a chin harness for me. Because in order to do the visual effects, I had to actually place my chin and not move it. So my everything I was doing was talking like this and looking straight forward. So as the face would move from place to place, but I couldn't move my face. And it was, it was the weirdest thing just to put your head in a, in a device that kind of froze you in a position and then just, and then they painted that out, of course. Acting in the 21st century. <laughs> the strangest thing. But the Marvel universe um, is, is actually, yeah, I would love to, to do something unique like that. And and uh, Doctor Doctor Doom, huh? Yeah, they they it, it it's really cool. Whether it's Doctor Doom or anything else, or maybe it's the DC universe, I don't know. But I just feel like, you know, as again, one of the first things you said to me the first time you were on the podcast was talk. I, I retained a lot of it. Was about how like I never like to repeat. I always like to do something different. I like to go in different directions, explore different things, and I just feel like. The superhero universe—it's there, there's there's something out there for you because it th those roles really light up when you put an amazing actor in like a cool superhero or sci-fi thing. It just it just elevates it to another level. So I'm I, I hope you're open to it. Maybe it'll generate some you know maybe some studio had to be like get get Cranston on the phone. Let's get him in here. Oh, he, that's the old guy. Sorry, I, I don't. I have a very limited bag of characters. <laughs> Prospector and old guy, and they're both Prospector. pretty similar cousins. That's right. Don't you tell me about gold. Get off here. There's no gold here. I'm tired of your attitude. <laughs> that second guy has to have a cigar, right? Yeah, of course he has a cigar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course he has a cigar. He has a cigar and he eats steak for breakfast. He's he's just like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bades um, and whiskey. I'll have to look that up. Dr. Doom. I'll have to see what that looks like. It's 
someone uh, is promoting that. But yeah, I would like I'd like to do something new and different like that. And and of course, the challenge in that, because there those films are all very broad stroked characterizations and plot heavy. Right. It's yeah. like this is going to happen and you got to stop this guy from doing that or else this will be the result. Uh, you know, yeah. so how do you then carve out a memorable character within the confines of that structure? It's backstory. Like if you remember, you know, the original uh, X-Men from 2000 was so revolutionary for superhero films because the human, the the villains were humanized. Like you saw Magneto was the the reason that he had this worldview is because of extreme trauma as a child. And so you understood, oh, he's going about it in a fucked up way, but you can see why being traumatized in the way that he was like it, it gave the character depth more than just, I'm going to create chaos, you know, again, well, it's just was right in the middle of those two other characters. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> your evil, your evil character. Yeah, it's not, yeah. There's, there's not a lot of range there. It's uh, they're yeah. all the same. They're all brothers. But, uh, and so I feel like, you know, if, if the right role presented itself and you were able to give it the right backstory with the right depth and the right, I think it would be, are you at the point in your career where you could call your agent and go, give me a superhero movie. And they go, okay. And then they just start fishing around and see what's out there. Do you, do you get to do that? Or do you just kind of wait to see what comes in? Even your impersonation of me, give me a superhero movie. Right. No, it's not. Limited bag of tricks. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. So this guy used to run a studio, but then all the studios were crumbling. So then he became an agent. I used to run the biggest studio in this town. Now, Cranston, I'm going to get you a superhero role. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I don't I don't like to usually work from the outside in, meaning like I want to find this. So then look for that. I usually find try I find my characters organically in the sense that someone's passion wrote a story that I see the character is there and I'm I'm leaning into it and, and it grew naturally out of someone's real true interest in writing something and that doesn't mean that it can't be a a superhero um, universe I certainly would be open to that but I I. I'm not interested in doing, you know, a character that's been done before really. And, and, you know, he would, Oh, he'd be the, uh, he'd be the seventh, 17th commissioner Gordon, you know, it's like, right. eh, uh, I'm not interested. Um, so, you know, um, I, so I, I'm open to it, but, uh, but we'll see. I'm, I've got a lot of things on my plate now and we're, we're doing uh, Your Honor down here, and, and that'll be on Showtime in December. It looks and great, by the way. It looks it's like cool. it's, it looks like one of those shows. You know, it's sort of like a, there's a there's definitely like a chess game going. Not literal chess, but there's like there's definitely a chess game, and it's a lot of it's. It looks like there's a lot of like fucked up turns where you just are like, oh, oh my god, and just people making n- not great decisions, and then having to cover up and deal with the consequences of those decisions, which are always the most stressful. So it it looks just riddled with that. It is that the the premise is that my son um, 
was was involved in in an accident, a car accident. And you're a judge. I'm a judge, and my son um, panicked and 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 left the scene of, of the accident. And it, and in 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 his panic and haste, he he realized, oh, he's made a huge mistake. When I get home and I hear the story, I, and he t- tells me what happened, I say, well, you have to do the right thing. That you will forever have a, a scarred soul if you don't take responsibility for your actions. So I convinced him that we need to turn himself into the police and, and get representation and, and plead to the judge. Look, he's never had a problem. He turned himself in. He made a mistake. He's underage, you know, and, and hope for the best. And we go to the police station and at the police station, we, we discover that the, the kid that he actually hit on a motorcycle died and that his parents, the father of the kid, is a notorious gangster, a badass guy. Like an Al Capone style, like yeah, old timey. Yeah. Or even like a John Gotti kind right. of uh, uh you don't you don't fuck with him. It's like a crime family. Basically, you kill someone in a, like the kid of a the head of a crime family. Yeah. So once my character realizes who the victim was, I I knew instantly it doesn't matter it, that my son made a mistake. It doesn't matter even if it was his fault or not. It's not going to be good for him. This guy is going to kill my son regardless. So so at that moment. He pulls back and he concocts, you know, alibis and destroys evidence. Forget what I said before. Forget it. Forget, forget what I said. But you said, yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no, dad, you're right. We have to. No, 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 no. I was, I wasn't feeling well. I was very tired. What I meant to say was don't ever fucking tell anybody. Yeah. So that's the premise is that what would you do? to save the life of your child. And, and any parent would say, I would do anything to save the life of my child. And it's like, yeah, well, that's what this guy's facing. And so, Oh God, those are the best. And, and, and it's like, you know, any, any time where as the audience, you can kind of, you, you, you pose that question to the audience, what would you do in this fucked up series of circumstances? That's why, you know, one of the reasons why the premise of Breaking Bad was so amazing. What would you do in this situation? The premise of this show, what would you do? I think it's why Walking Dead was so, what would you do, it, you know, in this situation rather than just having, you know, like one-dimensional characters who do what you expect them to do? It, there, there is that human, like, under these stressors and circumstances, well, there, like there's no it's there's no real win it's all that kind of pyrrhic victory of like any win is a bloody victory somehow that's right it there's there's consequences no matter what you and basically it's it's whenever a, a character or a person in our real lives if we try to become someone we're really not it's not going to end well right because you're you're faking it you're faking your way through life and you, you just can't you can't sustain that and so that's what happens in this story. And that's what's, you know, stories all day. I think, I think writers now and, and audiences uh, are far more sophisticated now than they were when I was young. You could throw up anything on television or film and it's like, oh, okay, you know, and you watch it and some bad, you know, murder she wrote and all those 
terrible TV shows of days gone past. The still watch I've it. Still watch Murder times. She Wrote. Still oh, watch Murder right. She Wrote. Still convinced Jessica Fletcher is the murderer. You can't yeah. have that many deaths in a small town in Maine. <laughs> yes. The whole the whole series of Murder She Wrote is Jessica Fletcher reimagining all of the murders and pinning them on other people. She's I'm convinced <laughs> she's rotting in a in a in a padded now, cell somewhere. That I would love to see. That's the story I want to see. <laughs> it's just like, and then you see, you just see like she's in the cell and you see her doctor is Tom Bosley and William Cat is that. It's like all the people in her life, she's cast them in the roles of murderers. <laughs> like in the... <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that idea. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if Angela Lansbury's ever going to go along with it, but if I ever run into her, I'll pitch it. Angie, Angie. Baby. Angie, listen, you've done Jessica Fletcher as the crime solving. This is now, this is edgy. We need edgy murder, she wrote. What happened to your old kind crusty cigar chomping agent? Oh, Uh, this was his assistant that uh, that took him over. He got him fired and he took over. He's living in the now, man. Come on. Come on, Angie, baby. Yeah, he's like, I I feel like all my (laughs) characters... You know what? All my characters are actually like of a decade. The old timey prospector is eighteen eighties. This guy's like forties. And then, yeah. come on, baby, what are you? He's the stockbroker. He's the guy that gets shot in Die Hard. Hans, yeah. baby, come on, yeah. we can blam. You know, he's that guy. So you have no contemporary characters whatsoever. No, it stops at around eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah. it stops at around eighty-seven. Kind of yeah. sad. I got nothing. <laughs> I do well in very specific period pieces. <laughs> very, very specific. That's about it. Um, look, man, I, uh, I, I love you to pieces. It's so good to see your face. I am so goddamn happy. I did not know that you had COVID, and I'm so glad that you're one of the lucky ones to able to to, to get through, and that you and your wife are okay. And um, you know, happy you're working, and 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 I'm I'm delighted that. In the midst of a power outage, you somehow, this, again, this is the Brian Cranston that I know. You still did a fucking podcast. You still have <laughs> set up portable lights and you had a little Mophie pack and you're powering your phone. And I just, man, I, every, time, every time I get to see you, I just love you more and more. I really appreciate it. Oh, Chris, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I've known you a long time now, and I I, uh, I always enjoy talking to you, and and especially your your prospecting old man. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of gold in this podcast, Mister Cranston. <laughs> I think one of them gold is uh, having a nice, friendly bath with Oprah. It's bath time there with Oprah. Me to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so it shall be. And so it shall be. Well, the end as we drift off into the sunset. Hey, that gold <laughs> over there, I don't. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.